Hey guys, it's Andrea from the future. As I'm editing this at 3 in the morning, I'm realizing uh, it's going to be a very long one. Um, we do our best to stick to 45 to 50 minute episodes, but this topic just means too much to Valentina and I, and it would not be fair to condense our experiences and our stories to that short of a time frame. So brace yourselves. It's an emotional one. It's a long one. But it's a good one, and I think you'll find it very rewarding if you stick out till the very end. Um, no, the audio is not this bad. I am whispering because I should be asleep right now, but I'm not. So with that said, if you're wearing headphones, I'm being nice and giving you a five countdown something. I'm just going to count down. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. The jingle's going to hit hard. Welcome back to Sounds Nice Podcast with Valentina and Andrea. I don't know if you guys know, but May is actually Mental Health Awareness Month. So since you guys already know from our first episode and probably every episode, because we talk about anxiety and what has happened in our lives every time. So we thought it'd be a, a good way to pay it forward and help out. So we hope that this podcast, uh, first of all, we're not doctors, so we don't want you to feel like we're going to diagnose you or find you a cure. We're simply sharing our experiences and how we came about to finding out that we had anxiety, what we do to cope with it, and just kind of talk in general about our personal experiences with anxiety. Yep, pretty crazy, but let me tell you, first of all, I'm really, really scared to talk about this, not because I don't want to share it. I'm fine with talking about my anxiety. But every single time I talk about my anxiety, I bring up the feelings of anxiety again. And for some reason that day I get anxiety. So that's why I'm really nervous to talk about it. I, I'm scared I'm going to like bring anxiety to my day, honestly. Because when I, whenever I describe it, it just all comes back. It was, it's always happened to me. And I used to talk about that with a psychologist. But So the first time I had anxiety... I was 16. I was at work. Uh, I used to work for a place called Kumon, which is kind of like a tutoring center, but it's very different. It's a Chinese way of tutoring where you basically give kids more homework. (laughs) Um, But I was there. I I had already been working there for a while, and I just had been there for a couple hours, and I went outside to get some water. They had a water fountain. And on my way back, when I was getting water, suddenly I saw, like, something move. Like, I, I felt, like, my surroundings shifting. And I was like, what what the heck? And so I got scared because I have always had syncopes throughout, throughout my life. I've had syncopes, which is basically, like, I'll faint and it looks like I'm having a seizure. But it's not as bad. I don't have to take medication for it. But I will faint and it does scare people. And if I faint by myself, I could hurt myself. So that scared me. So I thought I was going to faint. Um, so I went quickly inside and I was like, oh my God, I don't feel well. And I told the late, my boss and she was like, oh my God, are you doing okay? And she like sat me down. And then this one lady was there with her kids was like, oh, I'm a, I'm a nurse. And she like said I had to smell like an alcohol wipe. So they started making me smell an alcohol wipe, but like all these people were surrounding me and I just started shaking. I was so dizzy. I started crying and I just 
I could I couldn't breathe co- completely fine, but I was like shaking and crying a lot, and everybody was so concerned, and everybody was looking at me, and they were like, "Smell this alcohol wipe," and I was like, "I just want to go home." So they so I like called my parents, and they came to pick me up, and it was really strange. And like I said, I've I've had a couple things like syncopes, and I suffer from migraines, and I used to faint a lot. So my parents, the next day, I still felt bad. They took me to urgent care. They did blood tests. They did all these things. And then the doctor comes in and he goes, yeah, you had an anxiety attack. And I'm like, what? What are you talking about? (laughs) He goes, so that's what you had. It was just an anxiety attack. It's fine. Whatever. It happens. And he just like didn't really give me a lot of background info or anything. And he was just like, it's okay. It happens. But like, why? Why did I have an anxiety attack? I was like, I wasn't worried about anything. I wasn't even having a stressful day. I was just chilling at work. And he was like, well, I don't know, but you had an anxiety attack. So you can go home. You're fine. I was like, I don't know. I'm not fine. Why did I have an anxiety attack? But after that, I spent about two weeks where I had them constantly for like two and a half weeks. I would go to school, feel like I was going to faint the whole time. And I would go to the bathroom and start crying. And I'd call my mom and I kept like leaving early. And it was like that for I, I was wrong. It wasn't two weeks. It was like almost a month where that ha- that kept happening throughout the weeks. So it wasn't every day that I would get picked up early, but it was like at least two, three times a week. And one, at one point, I got really bad. I was in the middle of a quiz and I told my teacher, I don't feel well. I think I'm going to faint. And she was like, oh, just sit outside the classroom. So I sat outside the classroom and then I just like was like, I think I'm going to faint. And she was like, okay, go to the nurse. So I went to the nurse and I was the nurse for like 20 minutes and I kept crying and shaking and they called my parents and my parents were like okay well this is a problem and so they took me to the hospital um and I spent a week in the hospital they didn't even do IV but they did all types of exams they did uh like the heart exam and the pressure exam I don't remember they did a bunch of exams but they never had to do IV on me because I wasn't like I could eat and stuff and I was at the hospital for a week because they were trying to understand what was wrong with me. I was always dizzy and always shaking. And and then after a week of being there, they were basically just like, you're perfectly fine. You're perfectly healthy, which isn't the first time that's happened. It's one of the reasons I don't like going to hospitals. I feel like I've gone so many times. When I was little, I would go a lot because of the syncopies and all that. And they were always like, their explanation was always, we don't know, you're fine. And I hate that. <laughs> so um, so I, after a week, I went home and they were like, you're fine. But I still was feeling bad. So my doctor basically concluded, she thought, she was like, I don't think you were having an anxiety attack. I think it was like a pre-migraine thing because I suffer from migraines too. So Because I would get them and then I would have a horrible, horrible, horrible migraine for like three days. And she was like, I think it's like a pre-migraine symptom you've developed. And this was her conclusion from, I don't know what, but (laughs) I just... That, that was basically it. And after a couple of weeks, I guess it went away. I didn't, I didn't really do anything. I just felt like shit until it went away, basically. And then, unfortunately, it came back every year. So I would spend every year, it was like a month or two. And, and what I noticed was every year, it would last longer. So it started being about a month. And then the second year was two months. The third year was three months. And then it just kept increasing to the point where last year it was like an everyday thing and I spent all these months where I wouldn't sleep and stuff which is what led me to finally make the decision to not I had already 
gone to a psychologist and stuff, but I decided to go to a psychiatrist and consider medication. But that's already getting real deep into it. So let's, what about, uh, Andrea, you, you've had anxiety attacks, right? Yeah. So I, I kind of had, like thinking back now, mine probably started around high school as well, mostly my senior year. And um, now that I have help, the root of my anxiety is feeling like I lose control of situations or big, big life changes um, is what triggers it. And looking back in high school, the biggest thing was that I didn't know if I was going to be going to college because my senior year, like DACA was still new. So like no one really knew what it was. I didn't know what that meant for me. And I had already set my mind on one decision. And then when DACA kind of came along, it kind of switched everything because now I had the opportunity to go to college, but I was doing everything last minute because I, in my mind, I wasn't going to be going to college. So then I had already set my mind to something and I was committed to moving back to Mexico. I had everything set in stone that I was going to move back because there was no point for me to stay here. Without your family? Yeah, without my family. Like I was just going to, yeah, crazy. I had like a flight. I was ready to, I was talking to like family over there and ready to tell like leading up to my graduation. I was like, this is, this is what, this is the plan. Cause I can't go to college here, um, but I can go to college there. And with the education I have here, I can easily get into college. So I was giving myself all of the, these pep talks. Come the day that, and I'll never forget the day that Obama announced DACA. And I remember like, I didn't have any emotion because it felt, it was like something got pulled from out of me. Like my world just completely got spin, spun around. And I was just like, what, what does this mean? And I'm the type of person that when I decide and I set my mind on something, it's really hard for me to change my mind on that. And this was the, the this was like, I had to change my mind because it was for the better, but it was hard for me. Why don't you, uh, sorry, why don't you explain DACA? I don't know if everybody's familiar with it, so. Um, it's the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrival, which basically means my parents are immigrants mm -hmm. and I'm an immigrant and they brought me to this country um, when I was really little, I actually came when I was two years old. So I only know American culture and the American education system, but I'm legally not, it's like a limbo thing. Cause like, I'm not a resident, but I'm not illegal. It's like, you're kind of in between and we have, we can work and we can drive so we can get a license and everything. Um, but we can't leave the country for any reason or else we, I mean, we can, but we can't come back in. Uh, or I think we get arrested. So it was some, it was so new that like universities had no idea what to do with students with DACA. And that entire year of like, right before my graduation of senior year, that summer of like college was the most stressful moment in my life because I had to shift my mental, like what I wanted out of life. I was no longer going to be moving to Mexico. I had to apply to all these colleges. Um, I, I had missed deadlines because this, I just wasn't going to be getting in. So I ended up going to my community college and then I struggled. There was a point where for two weeks I was just crying every day because it was so hard to get people to understand my situation legally 
And at the same time, there was a lot of fear of like not saying too much to protect my parents. And all of that through those months, I was just like this huge ball of anxiety and trying to control my emotions and trying to control my future. And that was when I started to, I think when it really like hyphened for me, because after that in college, I would get little mini, almost like panic attacks, like anxiety attacks. And I never really picked up on it. I thought it was just stress. I was just like, it's just stress. It's just stress. Cause like, obviously you're stressed in college, but the mo. But what were the feelings? Do you remember? I do. So the first, the first time I was like, this, this is not stress. Um, so for me, anxiety is kind of like a roller coaster. I can kind of feel when I'm about to hit the peak of that panic attack and that panic attack like that going up that part of the roller coaster is I have a lot of energy and I don't sleep and I have like my brain is just like do this do that do this it's like I had like 50 coffees in one and I just I have all this energy and I want to do everything and I and I do things that are crazy ish in a sense of like I had gone in my car that one time and I wanted to go see this band and it was in Gainesville. They were playing in Gainesville and I was like, I need to see them. Like I have to see them. And there was no rational decision making in that process. And I got in my car and I drove and I got on I-10 and that was when the peak happened because that's when I was like, what the heck am I doing? I'm like risking my life. No one knows I'm leaving. I just left my house out of nowhere. What if I get into a car crash? And that what if situation is the spiral after, which is like, I'll take something super simple as like, I could get into a car crash and it'll spiral into the most insignificant thing. But at that moment, it, it like means so much to me. So like, I can make so much sense at that moment. Yeah. It makes so much sense to you. Like I can be from like, what if I get into a car crash and my thought process goes all the way? Well, if I'm dead, who's going to miss me? No one's going to go to my funeral because they're going to be like, this dumb bitch left. And like, so like, it goes from something super small to the most extreme thing. And when I get to that extreme level of thinking, I feel like my body has shut down and my mind is just exploding. And like, after that, I hit like the part that is the worst for me, which is my body just shuts down and I have to, I get a really bad migraine as well. And I get really nauseous and I get really almost like I, every noise bothers me, like the smallest noise of like my fan or anything. It just, it bothers me. And it's not because it's an annoying noise that I don't like. It's just like at that moment, I'm so over, like everything is hyphened for me that the smallest things annoy me light annoys me I have to be in a dark room that's cold with nothing and I just let my mind do its thing I just let it go into this thing and then I just cry (laughs) and I cry for like I'll cry for like no reason but the crying helps for some reason like just sitting there crying you just gotta let it out and I let it I just cry it out and then right after that it it like feels calming and it feels like I can breathe 
but my brain feels like my mind just feels dead. Like it just feels like yeah, like you have to let it out. No, I can't think of anything, not even the simplest thing, because it just went through something. Ugh, I'm getting so sweaty just thinking about. It. <laughs> <laughs> I'm good. And that happens. It w- didn't happen too much in college. Um, it didn't start getting bad for me until last year when I went through that little health scare and my mind was constantly thinking, um, what if this is serious? Like, I don't think I'm strong enough to be a survivor and like, oh my God, I'm going to get emotional. (sighs) That's okay. (laughs) And like thinking about my future, like we've talked about goals and dreams and you know how big mine are. And I was just like, Mm -hmm. if I, if this diagnosis comes back as something where I'm going to have to, I'm not scared of saying what the mental health thing is or the, the scare thing. There was a moment where I had a scare where I could have um, liver cancer. And that was like the most scary thing last year. I, there was like three months of not knowing because it was during the holidays. Um. So everything was closed. So I couldn't get test results. And I remember like, I just felt like I had no control of my life. And I was like, if this changes my life, like, I don't know what I'm going to do. So that was the most anxiety I've had. Um, And when I went to visit you, it was like a little test for me to see if I was okay mentally. And the answer to that was no, because you know, when I was with you, I was, I kept trying to come back yeah, because I was so scared and I was just like, I just need to be with home and I just need to be there. I know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so that's kind of like where my anxiety has been. And it's really bad for me because when I'm in that point, in that peak moment of my mind racing a hundred miles per hour, I feel like nothing can be said to me to calm me down. Nothing can be said to make sense in my brain at that moment. Like whatever my mind is set on, it's just set on that for however long. So like when I was visiting you, my mind was like, I need to get home. And no matter what was being said, no matter how many times my parents were like, you're okay and everything. I just felt like I needed to be home. And obviously I waited it out and I was fine afterwards. And I felt like silly and I felt like, wow, that was so dramatic of me. And like, uh, but then I was like, no, like it was that, that okay. Anxiety is, is ridiculous because of that, because you, you will think the craziest things. And then later when you're in rational thought, you're like, what the heck was wrong with me? I was you yeah, like overthinking everything, but but that is that is the that is the part of the uh the diag- not the diagnosis, but it's part of the disorder. So so it's yeah, when you come to terms, you're like, why was I having all these silly thoughts? Like it could be literally honestly like I've literally like dropped a pen and then that triggers everything. <laughs> like, yes. It's nothing. It's, it's just, not anything big. It's nothing. And I would always, I always, when I would go to psychologists, they would always ask me what triggered it. And I, my answer was always, I have no idea. And as I read up more about it, I read that like, that's what happens, that it will be triggered by anything. And that's the, one of the differences between the generalized anxiety disorder and anxiety, that anxiety tends to be caused by big things, which is normal. That's what anxiety is for. But the disorder, which I've been diagnosed with, like, it's part of it. You you will get anxiety over anything. And for me, when I, when I start getting, I get, I start getting really irritated. 
and I'll have days where I can't even turn on the radio. The sound of too much silence irritates me. Too little silence irritates me. Anything in between. So I can't turn on the radio, but also that's too quiet. And then I just like have to hum to myself, but then that's too creepy. So it's just like a bunch of things. And when I have a couple days like those, I know I'm going to have a really bad attack. And I know, mm-hmm. and for some reason, like like you, I don't know what it is, but the whole time, all you can think is, I need to go home. And it's like, yeah, it's like our way, I think, of protecting people around us. We're so worried that people are going to see us in our in our anxiety attack that we just want to go home, and we just want to. I just want to lay in my bed, and I don't want to get out. I I won't. I literally just lay in my bed and like close my eyes and I can't like listen or hear anything because because everything will irritate me so um I just want to be alone and I just want to like cry it out uh I've more recently I've found like a place with behind one of the sofas in in our living rooms and I just hide there and like kind of get into like what is it a baby cradle position I just like cradle my (laughs) my legs and I like just cry and just yeah I am alone I know nobody will find me there (laughs) because that's a weird spot (laughs) but no yeah I will like turn down our um a little bit of our AC and then I turn my fan on it has to be super cold and then I put on all my covers and I just I just like cover myself in covers and I just cry it out and I'm just like for me that's yeah that's another thing like there's two big triggers one is I get really really hot And that's why a lot of times, like, I get hot a lot anyways, especially in my house. So, like, I like to be cold because in Tallahassee, when I was getting the anxiety attacks really bad and I was by myself and nobody really could help me, I remember I had to go to class. um, And this is during the time where I think my mom, my mom had been diagnosed with cancer. So I was in an emotional state basically the whole year. I would go to church and I didn't know anybody at church, so I would just sit in the back and cry throughout church but I I, my anxiety was pretty bad because of a lot of things going on it wasn't just that it was like other things and school financial stuff it was it was a lot in one big barrel (laughs) I don't know why that makes sense but um I remember I would have the anxiety attacks and I would wake up and I know I was I was like close to one but for some reason for me it's I think it's part of the disorder, but I'm not sure. It's not like you have an anxiety attack every day, but like you will have an anxiety attack and then I will last like a week or two where like I feel like I'm going to have it all the time and I'm dizzy and my heart is beating like crazy and, I, and I'll cry at, or snap at anything, but I don't necessarily have an attack every day. I'll have one like when it like has been a couple days like that, but like it's still part of it. It's still like the whole time I feel like I'm going to have one and like I have to the whole time like control myself and like do my best to not snap at people because I really don't even want to talk to people because I know I'm so close to getting one. Um, and it's exhausting. It's exhausting. I come home and all I do is sleep. It, that's, I have to make sure I sleep. So if I normally sleep like seven, eight hours, I have to try to sleep 10 or 11 hours that night. And the more you sleep, the more it helps. But also like it's hard when, when you have to go to work and stuff. Um, to manage it at my job it was really hard to manage it because I didn't want anybody to know and and you don't want anybody to view you in a certain way but I would get them and I and I would just act like I was fine when people would walk by but when they would leave I would lean against the the wall and just like close my eyes and because I couldn't even look at the computer I could it was really hard to get job my job done I was in college when it was really bad there was like three or four months where I would I spent all four months really bad and 
like you said about the cold, I needed, I knew that if I was freezing, I was fine. So I would go to class with the anxiety because I wasn't going to miss class. <laughs> class was really important to me. And I would go and I would not put on a sweater if I was freezing and I would bring the biggest water bottle because I knew as long as I was freezing, I would, knew I wasn't going to have anything. So even though the whole time I was like anxious and close to an attack, I was like, okay, I'm freezing. I'm fine. So I remember sitting in class and the professor was talking. I could barely li listen because when, when those things are happening, your, your brain is mush. But I, I would sit there and stare at the professor and I would feel myself like my heartbeat would go faster and everything but I would see like the coldness like I would see my skin like my chicken skin and my my hairs kind of rise and I would look at myself and I'd be like I'm cold I'm gonna be fine and I would just like drink water like crazy just literally write down everything the professor said so later when I was in a better state of mind I could actually understand what was going on in class but I remember going to every single class and in between class and being on the bus everything and I would just make myself understand that I was gonna be fine but it's hard it's hard it's really hard because it's hard to be focused on work and school when you have... It's hard to be focused on anything. Yeah. I mean, for me to say that I can't even watch TV when I'm anxious, like, I have, I can't watch TV because everything bothers me. I can't read because yeah. it bothers me. So I literally have to sit there and do nothing. And even that bothers me. <laughs> yeah, I remember one time in I was waiting for a parking spot and... I like parked in and I was on time for class and everything. And I don't know why... I was just like, I can't do it today. And it was like, I just was having like, I was anxious and stuff. And I don't know why it was just obviously, we don't know why, but it was just, I could not get out of my car and walk to my class and sit in class because that whole cycle felt pointless to me. And I just, I just sat in my car for an hour <laughs> and I was just sitting there. And then I was, I didn't, I didn't even feel like I was so dizzy from the anxiety that I didn't want to drive and I remember I like texted one of my friends and I was like hey um do you want to get coffee and then like I like got out of my car and I went and they're like the Dunkin Donuts that's near um like the fine arts building like I we would just go there and hang out and that was when I started to realize like this is not good this is affecting me like I didn't need to not miss class but I also like I needed to like I don't think I would have made it in class I wouldn't have paid attention um so I kind of wanted to ask you because or not really ask but make more of a comment when you were talking about work um and having like anxiety and not wanting people to know I think it's it's kind of interesting how different work environments work because I've been very lucky and blessed to be where I am right now the women that I work with are very open about their personal like anxieties and their healths and that's something that I definitely will always take with me is like I never felt more comfortable and safe speaking about my anxiety than with them and I knew that if I was having an anxiety an anxious day or I just wasn't 100% focused like I didn't have to hide it they definitely they understood and they gave me that freedom of like, do you want to work from home or do you want to take a little break kind of thing? Um, even when I was sick, like they were completely understanding. And those are like seeing that being my first real job right out of college was like, it set the, the bar high. <laughs> and so I, I think one of my nervous things that now that my time there is ending and 
I'm looking for something. That's definitely one of the things that I hope to find is like a place that is understanding that you need a break sometimes from work or that especially now with everything going on with quarantine, that people can work from home and that it can be flexible. You can still be paid the same. So it's it's funny that some places still don't see that. And I feel very fortunate to be in a place where that was very much accepted and, and it was not looked down upon. And I've always had their support as well. Um, so, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know if I want, I don't want to say like it was looked down upon, but I just, so I had two people at my job where like, I'm really close to them and I did tell them and they knew what I struggle with, but like my supervisor and stuff, I mean this, I'm talking about anxiety where like I spent two, three weeks or almost a month with this type of anxiety where I couldn't get anything done in my job. So that's not something you really want to tell your supervisor. Like, you know what? I'm not getting anything done all day for a month. I was lucky that it was a, it was a not too busy of a month. So like I would get like really minimal things done. anything I could print and do by hand I would do. But I had a lot of things that were just like copy and paste that I could do. But anything beyond that, where I had to like really look at the computer or really think, no, nothing. I could, I couldn't get it done, and I had to act like I was getting work done because you're, you're getting paid to work, and I'm not gonna go and take a month off because I didn't even have that much time off, and I was, uh, I think in this time period, I, I'm not even sure if I was fully like employed by them or I was still in the like testing part of it because they first had me come in like as a test for I think it was 700 hours, so it's, I'm not, it's not that they were gonna shame me about it or anything, and. If I felt bad, he would have been like, go home. But I didn't, I know how my anxiety is. And I know that it takes a while. It could be a month. I had a, a time period where it was three months. And you can't, like, it's nice to have people understand and allow you to go home. But when you have a permanent job like that, you can't be going, I can't be going home every day. And for me to work from home, I would have had to, like, take the computer, set it up. And it, it's not as simple. But, and I don't think that, they don't understand but I have been saying for a while that like with mental health being so important and good the good thing is that little by little it's becoming more known how how many people have it and how important it is it's it's more important if not as equal to like having a cold or worse like I think there sh- I've been saying it for a while that there should be like a like if if you have a di- like I have a diagnosis right so if I have a diagnosis I think that you should be able to get two three extra days you get me or something like that it's it's kind of complicated but I do wish I could do it I mean you can just use your sick days like you've had to I I think I've used one or two personal days for it but because <clears throat> I guess that's what I would consider personal <laughs> instead of sick I don't know I think it's complicated because everybody gets the same amount of sick days and I think. For people with mental health problems, it's like, what? When do I use it? Do I come home? Do I come to work when I have a fever so I can use them when, when I um have a mental health day? Like you have to kind of weigh in what's worse. And I think it's also an issue, not an issue, but I've also thought about it in in regards to being a woman. I've had days with my period that I can't get up because I have I I have um PCOS or so I, I get a lot of cysts, so I can't get up from my bed because like I have horrible cramps. And that's another thing, like, so I have to use a sick day for that. So there's so many days, like, I I try not to use a a sick day unless, like, I literally can't get out of bed or something like that. And I have had to use a personal day because I had a 
a bad day of I think I've used one because I couldn't get up from my bed. But I've noticed every year it gets worse and then it's now been nine years. So what are some of the things that you've been told or things that people tell you when you're when you have anxiety or who don't understand it that bother you? Um, and also, what are some things that people have said to you that you're like, okay, I like what they're saying to help you, whether it's during anxiety attack or when you're bringing up mental health with them, um, kind of different situations like that? Well, in general, I want to bring up the fact that a lot of times you have a lot of loving people who just want to help you. But I just have to bring up the fact that if you've never had an anxiety attack, and I'm not saying you have to have the disorder, if you just never had an anxiety attack in general, you don't understand. You don't understand. You you, you want to help, but you don't understand. So people try to help you and they don't really know what they're talking about. And I know that they're doing it to help you because they want to help. But unless you, I feel like the people who can best help you are the ones that really understand it or have had it before. But unfortunately, that doesn't always mean that they should be the ones to help you. Because <laughs> I've, I've helped people. And I remember I had, a, I had a friend who like I would help a couple times. And every time I would help her get through her anxiety attack, I would get one. She was like, you're not, you're not stable enough to be helping anybody with their anxiety attacks. And I was like, I know, but she has nobody else. And she was like, but you can't do it for your health, for your mental health. And I was like, okay, <laughs> like it's, it's, it's hard. You, you want to um, let people understand how it is and you want to help them through it. But, but if it's affecting you, sometimes it's not the right thing for you. One of the things that would really frustrate me with my family, my grandma used to do this. Uh, sometimes my parents would do it. Is that they would sit with me and I was like having an anxiety attack, and they would say comments like, "Just think of happy thoughts. It's okay. It's all in your head, you know. Just think of of, of the good times, or think of ice cream. It's like it's not it's not like that. And I can't think. <laughs> I can't think at that moment. Sometimes like my nana or like one of my parents, they'd be like, "But why? What what is it that bothers you? What is it that hurts?" And then I literally can't even answer. I'm just like, "I don't know." And they're like, oh, you have to talk to me. And it's like, I can't. Okay, I can't think of anything. So that is one of the things that really bothers me when people are telling you to just switch it off or to just think of happy thoughts or that it's all in, in your hands. No, it's not It's not that simple. If it were that simple, I think I would have figured it out more than if I could just switch it off. I think I would have. I've gone to psychologists and I've talked to doctors. And if there was a way to switch it off, I think I would have switched it off. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, it's not something you want to have. <laughs> I'm sorry. And I'm not trying to be mean, but... But it's just really frustrating when you're feeling that way and you can't control it and people, they're trying to help you. I know they are, but they're like dismiss their anxiety, which is kind of what they're doing by saying switch it off or think of happy thoughts or like it's all in your head. Like you're kind of dismissing their anxiety. Anxiety is serious. Like it's not, it's not something that like, it's not like, I don't know, it's not like you stubbed your toe and you're like, think of something else. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> um, For me, I think it's a cultural thing as well. Um and I can only speak for mine, but I know it's not taken serious in like Mexican culture to be have like mental health. And it's it's kind of annoying because like sometimes when I do, one of my mechanisms is like I want to be kind of babied a little bit. Like I want to, I want someone there at my side and I, I don't want you to say anything because I don't I actually don't like people saying things to me either. Um, I just want somebody there. Like, I just want you next to me and, like, maybe not even hugging me, just, like, next to me. And, yeah, like, not exactly. saying anything. <laughs> yeah. That's that's the best you could do. And my situation is just have someone sit next to you, not touching you, not making you feel sorry. No, just sit there 
and like don't be on your phone either because then i know you're not listening but like or not caring but just sit there and just just take take it in because sometimes i just need someone to be at my side and i know like sometimes i just want to be laying next to like my mom or something and she's like doesn't understand it and I don't know, sometimes I feel like a reversed back to like a baby-ish kind of where like I just want to be next to her and so, and she'll be like, oh my gosh, this is my free time. Go go somewhere else. But I but like she won't know that I'm going through some anxiety because like I don't just go like I'm having anxiety and then like let her cuddle me. That's just me not being very good at communication with her. But sometimes I just like I'll have small little anxious thoughts and instead of to call myself, I'll want to go snuggle, and then it's like, no. And then but I'll you know have what? to... That's the thing. They happen so often that, like, I don't always want everybody to know that I'm having it. Like, exactly. A lot of times, they kind of know by, like, my mood or how I'm responding, but I know that there was, like, this one time where they were like, you're being really rude, and it was just that I was really bad, and I was, like, about to snap, mm-hmm. and I was just trying to not talk to them, and they didn't get it, and they yeah. kept talking to me, and we were, like, having dinner, and I was just like, uh-huh. And I was just like, I was mouthing whatever I could without having to talk too much because I knew that the more I talked, the more I cried. And I don't know about you, but whenever I'm getting there, I always call like someone in my family. Normally it's my mom. I don't know why. It's, I was, I guess because when I was in school and stuff, she was, she'd be the one I called. Um, I sometimes now do, uh, my mom is always like the first one. Sometimes I call my sister and then my dad or Nana, I will call them too. But generally it's like, I don't know, even if they, they don't really understand or like in the past they've said any comments, I don't know what it is, but like I have to call them. And I don't know if this happens to you, but like once they answer the phone call, I finish breaking down. Like they're like, hey, are you okay? And I'm like, no, like I've been holding it in for days. But like the moment <laughs> yeah. I hear their voice, I just let it all out. I don't know what it is about listening to their voice or I don't know what it is, but I don't know if that happens to you. I don't know either. I feel the same way. Sometimes I just like, if I start feeling anxious or something and I don't want it to escalate and I'm trying to like keep my myself calm, I will go into like my mom's room and then I'll be like, I just want to, I just want to cuddle with you. And then she'll just be like, Oh, like why blah, 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 blah. And then I feel bad. So then I leave, but I don't want to say like, I want to cuddle because I'm not feeling well mentally. Like I just want to, but doesn't that make you feel bad? It does. It makes me feel bad because then I get frustrated and then, it just doesn't help. And then I come to my room and I just grab my dog and like, will like silently cry, like very sad. Um, I don't know. It's, it's tricky. And I know that they mean well, I know that they're not doing it because like, they're not supportive or anything, but it's just, it sucks to not have that. And mm-hmm. it's something that I hope like in the future when I have kids, like I hope to be better at. That you're more sensitive towards? Be more yeah. sensitive and just try to, try to be more understanding with it mm-hmm. yeah but yeah yeah I I think it's that's important and for me for example like when I'm feeling that way I don't really want to talk about my feelings or what I'm feeling which is like the common yeah. ask, like, question I get feeling? asked but I like that sometimes my sister one of the reasons I like calling my sister is a lot of times she's like okay, well, do you do you want to talk about anything or do you want me to talk or do you just want me to be silent so like I'll be on the phone with her and I'll be like no you talk so then she'll just talk about like her day uh, unless that really irritates me that I tell her just be quiet but like a lot of times like I'm just I just need to like hear other people or something Mm -hmm. and she'll just like talk to me about whatever 
and I don't have to talk. You get me? Like, but I'm still with somebody. It's kind of like what you said. Because she, she doesn't live here, so a lot of times it's over the phone. But I like that she kind of gives me that choice. And she's like, you know what? You want me to talk? And I'm like, yeah. I, just I think that's talk. great. And then I just have her. And I love that. Um, because a lot of other people, they what they want to do is, like, ask you what you're feeling exactly. Mm-hmm. What made you feel that way? And that just brings up all the feelings again. So I like that. The whole, like, do you want me to just be silent with you on the phone? Do you just want me to talk? Do you want to talk? Sometimes, very rarely, I will want to talk. But not really. Most of the times, I'm like, you talk. Because it's kind of like, like what you said. You just want company. And and I like that that she accepts that. And that even when I don't tell her it's anxiety, sometimes I'm like, uh, I just want to hear your voice or talk. or And yeah, I've, I've had that where, like, when I was in quarantine, I, I was getting really anxious in here. And one and one time or twice, I asked somebody to, like, make me a tea. And they, like, got really snappy about it. They were like, I have so many things to do. And that made me feel really bad. And I ended up having an anxiety attack over it. Um, which is, like, if you think about it, it's a stupid reason to have an anxiety attack. But it's like, you're trying to make yourself feel better. I couldn't leave the room. And I know the tea was going to help me. But then I felt bad because then I was bringing more work to the person. And I was like, I feel so bad that I even bothered them. And then I now and then you feel, like, neglected, too. Because all you wanted was a tea and they can't give you a tea and then it's just like a whole process in your head like when you when you can't think about it you're like that was like such a ridiculous thing to snap about but it's like oh my god I just wanted a tea it's so simple you heat up the water you put the tea bag that's all I wanted and then it's like but then I bothered them and then now I feel bad but then now I'm mad because they couldn't even just bring me it's like like literally what I just mentioned is like you know what's interesting is the guilt part of it because it's something that I talk to my therapist a lot too because she'll bring it up. Like I'll say whatever made me anxious that week or something. And then she'll be like, hmm, so your guilt, like you feel guilt. Cause that was like one of the big things that she pointed out. I was like, you don't need to feel guilty about having this. And I always feel guilty about if I have an anxiety attack around people or I'm going through that because then I feel like I'm ruining everyone's life. And then I feel bad because then I feel like people are probably like, oh, she's so like sensitive so dramatic and so like need so sensitive or so needy and it happens a lot and, uh, it was this entire thing and guilt is is that in itself is an add-on that it's really it's really frustrating I actually I used to have that a lot I used to do that a lot and I actually got to the point where any decision I would make I would think about everybody that would be affected by it I would, every single person how that would affect them not thinking about myself that much, but just how every single person will be affected by it. And I used to think it was a part of my personality, a horrible part of my personality, because it's super annoying to have to think about everybody. And then at the end of the day, nobody's thinking about you that much. I realized it wasn't a part of my personality, that it was a big part of anxiety, because I realized how much calm calmer I was when I made decisions and how much easier it was to not have to overthink everything. I would always overthink anything, a text message, a word. I still do it a little bit, but but it's not like when I when I when I wasn't being medicated and it was ridiculous like anything like somebody would say like a stupid comment and the whole day all I could think about was that comment and how much it hurt and how much that person doesn't care about me and and like that person's living their life chilling like they're skipping around town not caring about that comment that they probably didn't even mean to say or maybe didn't even say to you you know what I mean and I I used to think like oh my god like why am I like this and I would have people be like well you just have to like be more selfish and just only think about yourself and I was like I can't and I thought it was like 
what the heck? Why do I have to be like this way? But it, it was it's a part of anxiety. I, I've, I've realized so many things about myself that I thought were a personality part is actually just anxiety. When you saying that, it kind of clicks something in my brain. Lately, I've been feeling that too, where I like, I over, I think too much of other people's like, opinions and I wasn't like that like I wasn't like that in high school where I like needed people's like opinions or I it's gonna sound bad like I didn't yeah like I didn't care really like I if I wanted to do something I do it like because if because it was something I wanted and it was kind of like that in college too and lately I've noticed I overthink people's opinions it it starts that's what I've noticed like because I've had it for so long, it starts creeping into your life and it takes over so many parts of it that you don't even realize how much it's affecting you until you get to a point where you literally have to, like all you do is live and live and breathe anxiety. And you're just, every day, all you're trying to do is like take a breath. Like, So I kind of wanted to go into like what made you, what, what drove you to get help and how you feel about that whole situation. Because... For me, I remember I always kind of had a weird relationship with the idea of therapy. Um, I don't know why. There's not a rational reason for it. I just never felt comfortable going to a therapist and talking about my problems and unwrapping all of that. But I remember the moment I was like, I need help. And it was I came back from visiting you and... I realized, like, I tried to, like, realize, like, what were the things that, like, why was I feeling that way? And I realized, like, I was scared of eating. And I didn't want to eat because I didn't want to get sick because I didn't want to ruin our weekend. And then on my flight back, I was like, that is dangerous. That is very dangerous to think, to be, to want to not eat. That could trigger another type of mental health. And... I remember on the flight back, I was so scared. I was like, is this, like, if I don't get help, this could turn into an eating disorder. And I'm already slowly starving myself because I kept thinking I couldn't eat because I was sick. And it's not that. It was I needed to eat the right foods to help my liver. And I, when I realized that, I was like, my gosh, I need I need someone to help me because this could get dangerous and I don't want this to become an eating disorder. When I went to like, I did some research of like some, some therapists around town here in Tallahassee and I found one and I've been, I like, I really like her. She's, you know, she's helped me. We've, I've only been with her for a couple of months, like two months does help. Like it for sure does help. I look like sometimes when I'm having a tough week, I look forward to our phone calls because just talking and not having to feel like she's going to judge me and not getting like when she tells me feedback, it's not something that I feel like I shouldn't listen to or something. Like I know she knows what she's talking about. So I take her feedback in. Let me ask you something. Since you've been doing them through phone calls and you used to do them in person, because I've only ever done them in person, I'm wondering, do you see a difference and which one do you prefer? They are phone calls right now. Um, I would, yeah, with like, yeah, I, did, I was seeing her in person the first few times, but then obviously with quarantine, um, 
I, she was flexible enough to do phone calls. And I still get the same value out of them. Because sometimes I would feel like I liked going to the psychologist, but I didn't love, like, every time I was, like, in that room, I, I felt like, okay, anxiety time. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think I prefer the phone call because the first three times I went were in person. And the first time I didn't even talk, I just cried. And I probably said a few things. And then the second time I felt, but I definitely felt nervous going every, the the first times I felt nervous going, I felt like, oh, like, do I have to go in deep to it? Or sometimes I'd be like, I don't really have anything to say. I had a good week. Um, And no one's looking at you. I don't know why that helps. no (laughs) No one's, I, that helps so much. Like, I don't, sometimes I would cry in her office because like I, there was someone there so it felt like I could cry. And then not that I don't cry. I've definitely cried over the phone. But, like, I don't know. I prefer it so much more. I, I definitely would still go back, like, when all this is over. And if I can go back into her office, I definitely would. But I don't hate the phone call. Yeah. I honestly wish that it was always a choice. Because one of the reasons I haven't been able to go to a psychologist is because it's always during the same hours I work. And I've always wondered. I've always wondered if it would be easier because... I think that a lot of times with the psychologist, I felt weird that they were like looking at me. And I don't know if you feel, I, feel, I would feel safer like doing it over the phone because they're not looking at you and you don't feel like anybody's judging you. It's definitely, it's definitely uncomfortable the first few times you go because you're, you don't know like what to expect. You don't know what, you know, you see TV shows and everything, but they don't really portray it the way it should be. And I don't know. I definitely suggest you try out the phone call it sounds like you found a good one though because I feel like one of the reasons maybe I didn't stick that much I still did the psychologist I never felt like I found the right one and I was told by a friend that I used to work with that it's like a journey you have to it takes a while to find the right one sometimes you're lucky and you get it at the beginning but I've, I've never found one that I always look forward to talking to I just I, I and I don't know if that's why I don't fully know if it has helped I know, like, they shouldn't know how to control it, but I feel like it's important for them to really know what you mean, because sometimes I feel like some of the comments, they would say, it's like, do you not know how anxiety works? And I don't is yours, I always, both of the ones I had, which was a coincidence, I didn't search for it, were Hispanic, which I thought was a plus, because a lot of the times I'll, I'll talk about my parents and or my family and how they've triggered anxiety or how they've reacted to me. And then if they were Hispanic, they understood. So I feel like that's a plus. I don't know if yours is Hispanic or how she's that not. Affects anything. Uh, well, actually, I don't know. Um, she, I don't think she is. Um, but like, I know like a few things of her just like because I've picked up on conversations we've had. But I actually don't know much about her. Like the things I do know, again, because if we'll have a conversation, she'll like kind of drop a little detail of her life, and then I kind of pick up on it. I'm like, oh. So you have two sons. Oh, so you do this. <laughs> but um, she is a little older than me. And I kind of like that she's got kids that are her, that are around my age. Because it feels comforting. It feels like I'm talking to a mom. Which I like. I like talking to someone who's like a mom figure. Um, I don't know. I feel lucky that I, I didn't realize like you. it took a while for people to connect. Because I actually have a friend who... I've talked to her about like therapy and she's like, yeah, like it took me 
it, like the second one for the second one is the one that I really connected with. And I was like, oh, wow. Like, I don't know if if I just like I still I feel like happened. I haven't found the one for me. I've the both of the ones I've had have been really nice, but I don't know. I've if I think about it, I'm like, I don't even know how much they helped. I didn't feel like you said I, w- I would dread going because I was like, oh, I have to talk about everything that gave me anxiety and I'm probably gonna have anxiety while I'm talking about it. Just a little thing in here that I want to say is like FSU's got a pretty really good counseling program and it's free for students. So if you're a student for, or an employee, because it's for employees and faculty and students at Florida State. Yeah, because like I know here TCC had the same has the same thing. They have a counseling center for their students that's free. FAMU has a counseling center for their students that's free. So definitely look into your university. Um, you can just literally Google like whatever your university is you, and then add counseling center. And then, yeah, sometimes if they're too small, they may work with like local people in your area. So definitely look at that because if you're a student, you get so many benefits and definitely use that to your advantage because it's free counseling. But I want to go into what are some of the things you do that bring you calm? Like, I like to do a lot of art. I'm not good at art at all, but I like to just either scribble or like at the dollar store, they have these like I draw books where they give you like a bear and then you have to like kind of draw it yourself and they give you the steps. I like doing that. There's this book that was gifted to me that I really, really love. It's called 52 List for Calm. I really, really love it. It's by more Marie Seal. But I, I like it because it gives you a list and I'm a list person. I like listing things. So this is perfect because like if I start feeling a little bit anxious, um, I will sit and focus on a list. Um, those are kind of the things I do. And I take baths, really long baths in like hot steaming water. Other than that, that's kind of like what I try to do to get my mind off of things. But what do you what do you like to do? What helps you? So I've been told many things would work. And I think for every person, it's different. So people giving you suggestions is not bad. But I think it's kind of a combination of things for me. So I think for me, it's like trying to find as much peace as possible. It depends on my anxiety levels. So if my anxiety level is low, I can do music, but it has to be uh, classical music. It will help me, like if I was at work, a lot of times it was helpful to have put on headphones and listen to something that wasn't my surrounding. So either a podcast or some type of classical music. Generally, it was some type of classical music. Walking outside or just going outside and breathing in the balcony. If I was at work, I would go outside. We had a little balcony and I would just... Sometimes at home when I'm really bad, I'll, I'll go on a walk with my dog and that helps. I don't know if it's like my dog because they say that dogs help calm anxiety. I don't know. Something about fresh air is really helpful, which is why the balcony was helpful. I've recently picked up running because I've heard that like basically when you're having an anxiety attack, it's like your body going into hit and run mode type of attitude. And I've heard that if you run, then you're giving your body the response of hitting and running, like getting up and running. So that supposedly it helps. I haven't fully decided if it helps, but I've been trying to run. The running and walking, I think, kind of helps just because you're outside, you're breathing you're by yourself. It depends though, because if you're too by yourself with your thoughts, sometimes it's a problem. (laughs) Things I always make myself a tea, either a chamomile with honey and I add drops or I have a stress relief tea. There's a tea called Zen 
by, uh, I think Yogi is a brand that one of my coworkers recommended. That one helps sometimes. You know what helps me? Not eating sugar and not having caffeine. I've noticed when I have coffee, it triggers my anxiety because my heart will go faster because that's what caffeine does. If I am going to have coffee, I'll have a decaf coffee. I'll have, I found like a decaf chai that I can make into a latte. Um, I'll add, a, I have essential oils that I use. I've, those help me sometimes. Um, I have one called stress, stress away that sometimes I breathe in or for me, it's not, I haven't found one thing that helps me. For me, it's like I do everything I can think of in that moment. And sometimes I feel better. Sometimes I feel worse. I, I can't really tell you this one thing helps. So before we wrap up this episode, I wanted to bring up that for every person, anxiety is different. So for me, I want to mention when I first started, it was, um, I had shaking and I had dizziness and I had crying. That was the, th- the three things that I had. And I had a lot of that throughout my first year. And then I noticed every year I had one extra problem with anxiety. So in total, I'm going to list everything I've had. And I just want to bring it up so that if you have felt one or more of these, maybe t- t- bring it up with your doctor and it might not be normal. It might be normal to live with. So I've had um, sweats, shaking. Uh, more recently, I've done... I get nauseous and I throw up. Those are like the big ones I've felt. Oh, irritation is a really big one. I feel like those are the ones, the biggest ones I can think of. Like it's different for everyone, just like Valentina said. And we're not here trying to say like, if you've had this, you know, you're, you have anxiety. Cause again, we're not doctors. We're not here to diagnose you. But if you felt, you know, that you're anxious and you don't know how to reach out for help or you don't know how to bring it up, definitely like talk to your doctor. And if you're underage and you don't feel like that's, you know, an option, talk to your parents. If you don't feel comfortable talking to your parents, talk to your friends, have someone to talk to. A counselor in school, any adult that you feel comfortable opening up to, a friend, um, and if someone is opening up to you about it, just listen. Like we said, sometimes, and maybe they do want feedback, but sometimes people just want to be heard. If it's something serious where you think they may be in trouble, definitely reach out to their grown-up or to someone in their lives that you think could help. Um, But if it's with just anxiety, as far as, you know, that's all we can really talk about is with our experience. If you want to reach out to us and, like, just be like, hey, I get what you mean and, like, you know, I have similar I go through similar things. We're here as well. You can reach out to us on like social media. Yeah. And I, and I just want to, I want to remind you, like, I don't want to feel like, you know, when you watch those episodes of, and then at the end, they're all like, please call this person for help. But I just want to point out that it took me a really long time to reach out and find help. I, I had anxiety for a long time before I even decided to go to a psychologist. And after that, it took me even longer to think of going to a psychiatrist because I don't like to medicate myself. I But I did try a lot of natural things before I even considered it. Yeah, and at the end of the day, you know your body, you know yourself, and if you know that there's something wrong, seek help. Hey, you made it till the end, and we want to thank you because we never know if people make it this far. Also, I'm whispering because it's like 3 in the morning while I'm editing this. Anyways, Back to the giveaway. If you made it this far, go to our Instagram, hit that follow button, and DM us. Let us know you heard this message and that you want your free waterproof sticker. 
it will only be available for the first 25 people. And if you live in the U.S., also it ends May 16th, 2020. Other than that, you're welcome to enter um, and you'll get your free sticker. One more thing, from now on, every time you hear this bark, <coughs> that is going to be our cue to you to let you know that at the end of our episodes, there might be a giveaway, a blooper, an extra clip that we took out that was funny, anything like that. So enjoy this week's episode's little bloop, kind of, because um, we know it was an a heavy episode. Also, I can't talk because it's like three in the morning. I should be sleeping. Go into our contest. Bye. I'll, if I'm if I'm really anxious, I'll poop all day. And I know that people don't like to know that women poop, but we all poop. So sorry if it's TMI, but. Okay.